this idea of ministry. I think I'm going to deal with that a little bit today, but I, I wanted to, you know, you try to figure out what do I want to say right here at the beginning of summer? You know, what, what do I want the next three weeks to look like, four weeks to look like as far as what I'm doing here on the weekends? That's the primary communicator. And really couldn't get away from this idea that, that we have been created by God as something very special. So we're going to kind of go into this series. I want to call the series Handmade. That we are handmade. Everybody say, I am handmade. God, God made me special. Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. You see this picture in creation that God created a lot of things and, and he made various species of living animals. But in the midst of all of this creation, right there toward the very end, God did something very special. He created mankind. That's you. He created mankind in his image. We, as people, are stand unique in, in the entire creation process because no other animal, no other species of living thing holds this significance in the eyes of God. That, that God chose to create man and he didn't just form up something out and, and, and say, well, plop, there it is. But God literally, intricately designed mankind in his own image. He didn't do that with, with dogs. He didn't do that with cats. He, he didn't do that with gorillas. And I know that these other animals, I, you, they, they marvel. I marvel at, at our dog that is not really a canine. It is, it is one notch below human being. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean that dog is a, is a she, not an it in our house. And it's a smart little thing. You know, early on, I mean, she's a brat, but 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 early on we we had her in <laughs> the most ridiculous say, obedience school. You know what I'm saying? This is a little we had her in obedience, and we taught her to do a couple things. And you'll give her a treat if she does it. You know what I'm talking about? And we click trained, and you give her a treat, and you'll say sit, and full she'll sit. You'll say lay, and she'll lay. Sit, lay, sit, lay, and then sometimes she gets confused between the two. She's so. She's so anxious to, sometimes she's so anxious to get the treat that she will sit and lay and sit and lay just because she knows that she won't want to do it all. But she knows that. Smart little thing. Can be trained to do things that are kind of neat, you know. To have those, dogs learn languages. You know, I mean, you go to Mexico, they speak Spanish. You go to the Philippines, they speak whatever dialect. It's happening at the time. 
That is the dogs that sur- survived the dinner table. That's bad. That was a joke. We have pets at Harvest House. We have pet dogs at Harvest House. Those are the most well-kept dogs. If you're inside the gates, you're safe. If you're outside, it's any man's world. They learn those languages. They'll speak to those dogs. And Tagala or Bazan, they'll speak. And those dogs will mend those dogs. They'll do whatever they command them to do. They... They have a mind. Our, our, our little dog, we, we try to take her out in the summertime because she, the doctor says she's overweight and need to work some poundage off. And so we take her outside. She runs around and she's panting and she's normally inside and, and uh, you know, doesn't, isn't used to the heat. And, and, and so she's out there and she's running around and she's panting real loud and we know what that means. And we'll say, Maddie, go get a drink. Well, she'll turn right there and go right to that water bowl and get a drink at that water bowl. Smart little thing. But she's not made in God's image. For the cat lovers in the house. Cats really don't have much brain, but cats anyway. I mean, I've never seen a cat that you could teach to sit. You know what I'm saying? But I will tell you this. Our next door neighbor had a cat. This is kind of gross. Our next door neighbor had a cat that for whatever reason, it decided that the thing to do was to bring dead mice to Raylene. It means something to a cat. They're like, like for whatever reason. I mean, we didn't even feed this cat, but it felt like you were mama cat. We'd wake up and there'd be a dead mouse on the porch. We knew that the cat was keeping them out of our swimming pool. I mean, we have fields in behind our house, understand. There's fields, open land, and so, yeah, and smart. More than, just, more than just mere instinct. There are, you know, God gave animals some measure of intellect, but they're still not created in His image. I know none of you have heard about that gorilla thing. <laughs> and you know, I feel bad. I mean, I, I'm sorry that, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't know all the circumstances, so I, I'm not going to judge, you know, what happened or, or what didn't happen and how the child fell into the, fell into the, the, the moat there in the, in, in the gorilla thing. And I understand the, the, the decisions that... People that are way more knowledgeable are made than me on the subject. So I really, you know, until I get a, a PhD in zoology, I probably shouldn't have such a strong opinion. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people that are highly educated made a decision. That's all I have to say about that. But I will tell you, the grill is not in God's image, but that three-year-old kid is. I know who I know who in that in that enclosure is in God's image. It's 
So it is that we land on Psalm 139.14 that says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I don't want you to be confused by this word fearfully. That word in this context does not mean fear as in afraid. Okay, I... In our master's degree, I didn't study Hebrew. We studied Greek. But I will tell you that, that um, I have enough knowledge of word studies that I can tell you that in this context, that word does not mean that we were created in fear. You say, well, prove that. I'll give you one verse. He has not given us a spirit of fear. The perfect love which comes from God cast out all fear. So we're not created in fear. What this word means literally in this context is awe or awesome. It can actually be translated awesome acts or awesome things. And what the writer is really getting across to us is that there is a revelation that comes when we recognize that we are created as awesome. That, that when God looks at us, He doesn't look at us as just another species. He doesn't look at us as just a lump of clay or a, or a bunch of moving dust. But when God looks at us, He looks at us as something that is awesome and something that is wonderful. So wonderful that God intricately created us in his own image. And so today, if you get nothing else that I say, get this, God made you awesome and God made you wonderful. Yes, he did. You were handmade by God as awesome and wonderful. You are handmade by God as awesome and wonderful. Matter of fact, I, I love the, the typology in Scripture that, that, uh, of the potter and, and you have the potter's wheel and you have the clay that is on that wheel and it spins and, and the potter takes hands and he places hands upon this, this lump of clay and begins to form and begins to shape that Clay into a vessel of use. The writer of Romans picks this idea up in Romans chapter 9 where he says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? What or shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? And really what the writer is driving home is this, that God fashioned you just like you are out of your own special lump of clay. And with his hands, he molded you into exactly what he wanted you to be. That He hand made you on this Wheel, this pottery wheel, and that, and that he began to form and shape you. And, and he's saying, 
now that you are being shaped by God, don't then fall prey to the idea that that you need to begin to question what God has made you into. The vessel has no right to look back at the potter and say, well, excuse me, I wanted my curves to be just a little different. I mean, I, 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 I really don't like the way the neck of my life is shaped. The writer is saying, no, listen, God knows exactly what he's doing. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. And so don't speak back to God saying, Hey God, why can't I be this? Or why can't I be that? The writer is saying, Be comfortable in the fact that God made you unique. That God made you your very own special person. And as he was forming you, handmade, as he was forming you, listen to me. They might be able to take clay and go to some type of manufacturing reproduction machine that will stamp something out and, and stamp something out. And it's possible that they might actually come up with, with, with at least several that are exactly alike. Because it's just kind of a manufacturing. But God, he doesn't have you in a stamp machine. God takes you individually and he begins to mold you individually and when when a potter works clay with his hands it is literally impossible for him to make the exact same vessel again oh it could be close but but never the same because the way the hands touch the clay as it is spinning the pressure that may have been put on this time that maybe wasn't Put on last time, and maybe I should say something right there to somebody in this house. You say, I don't understand why I'm under so much pressure. Let's, let's wonder if we're still not on the potter's wheel. But God is still yet molding and maybe taking some things out. There's been a time or two where I felt like I got a beat down. Or kind of like, let's just beat it down and start all over again. And let me continue to work this clay of your life. But let me tell you something. This is what you've got to realize. You are so unique in the hands of God that you are a one-of-a-kind awesome. You're a one-of-a-kind awesome. I mean, I don't know about you, but it still kind of trips me out. I think about fingerprints just I mean I, I, I might could get my hands around it when maybe the estimated population of the world was 100 million I mean a few years ago in my lifetime it was 4 billion 4 billion estimated 4 billion in my lifetime people have had an enormous amount of babies Latest statistic is that there's in, in, in the neighborhood of 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion people in the world. Very, very hard for me to wrap my head around the brain that out of 8 billion people in the world, no two people on the face of the planet have the same fingerprints. They can take your fingerprints and still send you to jail. 
You know, I mean, they, they take fingerprints of all ten fingers for certain things. Like capital crime or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it, it, it kind of, listen, it just kind of trips me out. You know, I would think that as small as a pinky finger is, I would think that at least somebody out of eight billion, at least somebody out there has the same pinky. How do you get eight billion? I can't figure it. How do you get eight billion different patterns on a pinky? It kind of trips your brain out, don't it? I mean, to think that that. My fingerprints are so unique to me alone that I can literally go to prison. They are completely identifying that those fingerprints only belong to Rob Griffin. He was at the crime scene. He's going to jail. And every one of us in this room have even on our hands and... uh, an appendage that we see often in our lives. And our hands are screaming back to us from God. I made you uniquely special. So special that nobody else on the face of this planet can be identified as you. I had some friends in Houston, Dale and Gail, when I was growing up. Dale and Gail were identical twins. You ever seen an identical twin? Those, those ones that are, you can't tell them apart. You know what I'm saying? And, and then parents get this real, I don't even think the parents can tell them apart. So they just make them do, when they're little, they make them do their hair exactly the same so that they just always have an excuse why they keep getting it mixed up. Dell and Gail looked so much alike when they were younger. They went out on a double date. This is a true story. They went out on a double date, excused themselves to the bathroom halfway through the 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 right before the meal came, got in the bathroom Gail said, I like your guy more than I like mine. Dale said, well, I like yours more than I like mine. They said, well, let's just change clothes and switch. They'll never know. And they did. <laughs> In the bathroom, they switched clothes and came back out. Those guys never knew. That, that's, how, that's how identical they were. They looked so much like their mannerism, their facial expression, everything was exactly, except this. They still had unique fingerprints. You may not be able to tell them apart by their face, but you can tell them apart by their fingerprints. Because God has put something even on our skin that screams back at us every day. Do not forget you are special. Do not forget that I created you as awesome. Do not forget that in my eyes you are wonderful. Do not forget that you are unique. There is not another person in the world that is you. People even have your same name. I constantly have people tell me that I look much older in person than I do on the 
television screen is Robert Griffin III. Some of you will catch up with that one later. They even have your same name, but they don't, they're not you. See, this is really, I know it's a, I know it's a, uh, it's a catchphrase in the world out there of people who are trying to hype people up, but let me just try to hype you up just a little bit and say, you know what, you need to be the best version of you that, that, ever, that ever lived because you are the only version of you that will ever live. And God has uniquely qualified you to be you. Isn't that amazing? It's like somehow or another, when you were born, God just decided that you were going to be the only you this world would ever see. The only one. With your, with your unique gifts and with your unique personality and with the unique things that God has placed in you. And why is it that we live our lives always speaking back to the potter saying, I wish I could be like... I wish I could sound like. I mean, you face that in ministry. I mean, a lot of times you say, man, man, if I could have the leadership capabilities of Robert Morris and the teaching abilities of Andy Stanley and the fiery ability of Stephen Furtick and the organizational ability of Craig Groeschel, Compare yourselves. Stand back and you think, you know, I mean, I wish I could. I'm going to tell you something. There could, be a, there could be a thousand Elvis Presley impersonators in this world today. Thank you very much. And they can curl their lip. And they can twitch their leg. And they could talk to you. You've been a beautiful audience. Beautiful audience. I'm so glad. So glad that you've been in the house today. I mean, just beautiful audience. I'm going to, the Stamps Quartet. Somebody give the Stamps Quartet a hand clap. But there's only one, there's only one Elvis Presley. And everyone else is just an imitation, just a cheap copy of the real deal. You were handmade by God as awesome. There's not another you on the face of this planet. It really all boils down to, in our lives, the impact that we make when we accept who we are and embrace ourselves. As in God's image. We embrace ourselves. This is, this, is just, this is just how God made me and I'm embracing. I'm not saying you don't need to get training. I'm not saying that you don't need to try to better yourself in education and, and, and various things. What I am saying is, is that whatever gifts God has placed inside of you, maximize those things. I love these, these verses in 
1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized into the Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. We were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, would it for that reason stop being a part of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. They were all one part. If, rather, they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And what he's trying to tell us is, is that if God has created you, uniquely created you to be an eye in the kingdom of God, then be the best eye the kingdom of God has ever seen. I mean, it would be a terrible thing if my, if my eye decided it wanted to be a hand. You know? I need a drink. That didn't work out very well. You see what I'm saying? What, what, you know, the hand is uniquely made by God to do something. What if my hand decided it wanted to be a nose? It wouldn't help me very much in my backyard when you're picking up things that might, that might stink. The nose is saying, don't pick that up. Find the shovel. God has created you to be something very special in the kingdom of God. God has created all of us to serve in a particular function. And when we are comfortable in the function that God has created us to be by by just recognizing that, man, just how God created me, I'm awesome. I'm awesome, just like this. Oh, but I wish I could. Well, no, no, let's back up now. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 10 that says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Why are they not wise? Because they're not you and you're not them. You have a place in the kingdom of God for function that they don't have. I think that's why the enemy tries to sever people from the church and they get mad or they get a, uh, you know, they, 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 they get confused or something and you see people fall away. And, and sometimes in, in, in pastoral leadership, you thought, oh man, it's going to take a while to replace that gift. Oh man, every church needs hands and eyes and feet and everybody functioning in different ways in the, in the body of Christ. But you know what? Your family needs you to be the best you that you have ever been. Your family does. You, you may be the very person in your family that brings sense to the situation. You know, kind of like, you know, I think every family has somebody like an Uncle George that when Uncle George walks in, everything just kind of calms down. Everybody just feels better because George is there. A stabilizer in, in the family. And, and God may be calling you to be a stabilizer in your family. You just need to tap that gift that is already there. 
What about your community? What about that place you work? I know there are people in this church that work in dark places. I was talking to a, one of the ladies from Guts yesterday that was here, and, and, and she was talking about how, how refreshing it was to be among the people from our church that were here volunteering. I, I mean, she was like, these are the nicest people. I just feel so, I just feel so much better today because I was here with your church people. And I'm like, man, that makes me feel awesome. I said, but that's a culture, you know. But then she went on to say this. I am the only Christian at my place of employment. I am the only believer. Now this is, now she said, you know, she's with us on Saturday. She's getting a reprieve from what she's been going through all week. You see what I'm saying? Now things are starting to make sense on why it ministered to her so much just to be around happy God-loving, Jesus-loving people, okay? She's like, I'm the only person in my office, my entire workplace, I'm the only one that's a believer in Christ. And then she said this to me. She said, but you know what? I believe with all of my heart that God put me there. She's made up her mind that you know what? I'm awesome. And God has uniquely placed me in all of my awesomeness to be a light to some people that have never heard the gospel. What if that's you? Am I speaking to someone in this house today to say, you know what? Maybe I need to take a little bit of a different look at my circumstance because God made me awesome. He made me awesome. And if He's got me there, that he wants me to be a hand or an eye or a foot in that circumstance. Would you stand with me today? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the mighty hand of God would work miracles in people's lives. We declare your goodness.